Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, the week keeps on ticking along. So do we, Bill Writer. With you, good morning, happy Thursday. I'm not calling it Stupid Friday Junior. We'll let Tom DeCelestino do that in 20 minutes or so, or less maybe, when he gets on the mic, if we let him, based on the fact he says that term every Thursday. Don't know if it's going to happen. Phone number is the same, 855-2124-CBS. Twitter Sports Writer, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R, or at Pretty Daddy CBS. And we have a James Harden conundrum and debacle to get into. Other stuff coming up. The one and only Mike McDaniel wants to go through his through his podium thing. Good at words. To defend Tua. Give Tua his flowers. Apparently I'm getting flowers. We've got NFL bets, Barrett, Salih, a bunch of stuff. But let's start with Harden. And the catch-22 Daryl Morey has found himself in. Here's the deal, everybody. If you are Daryl Morey, who runs basketball operations for the 76ers, who has stuck with James Harden because Harden opted into that, what, $35 million and change player option for this year. The guy you went and you traded for because you were besties, you were such good friends, he was your guy before he turned on you and called you a liar. If you're Daryl Morey, you cannot trade. You cannot trade James Harden for anything less than current players right now today who come back and make you, forget make you, actually literally help you be a contender or else you're going to lose your job and or Joel Embiid is going to be the guy trying to force his way out next summer. And if you are any other team in the NBA, including the Clippers, who are the lone bidder, who don't want to give up Terrence Mann as the key piece, you cannot trade for James Harden. This is the reality. This is the situation. Maury can't give up Harden without getting a really impressive return. And if I am any of the other 29 other general managers in the NBA, I'm not giving up a damn snapple for James Harden. I'm not, I'm not taking James Harden for free. I'm going to quote Bill Parcells again. People tell you who they are. Listen. And James Harden, enforcing his way from Houston to Brooklyn and then Brooklyn to Philly and now not showing up for practice yesterday in Philadelphia, even though he told brand-new head coach Nick Nurse, I'm going to be at the game on Friday. Had to be at practice yesterday to kind of get in shape. James Harden's now in Houston, is going to the top of the mountain. He is screaming from the rafters. I don't know why I'm using 300 and 100-year-old analogies. He is getting a megaphone, a microphone, his own podcast, and he is screaming, I am James Harden, I am toxic, I'm about me, I will destroy your, destroy your culture and your organization. You can't trade for the guy. So Lawrence Frank, who I know, who runs basketball operations here in L.A., let me give you a word of caution. By the way, I like Daryl Morey. The guy's smart. The guy's funny. The guy's bold. But everyone has their blind spots. Harden is his and has been for a long time. Lawrence. Can I call you Lawrence? I know Lawrence, too. Do not make the same mistake. Do not fall for the siren song of Harden's talent. And it is real. I had a GM, not Lawrence Frank. I'm going to call all these guys GMs, okay? Because they get these fancy schmancy... Titles now, Senior President of Basketball Thinking and Producing of Basketball Quality. We're going to call them all general managers for the sake of clarity. Had a different GM 
a rival GM who is not Daryl, who is not Lawrence, who told me that he thinks James Harden is still a top 15 player. This is a smart guy, runs a very good basketball team, a successful organization, and I was glad I wasn't drinking coffee while talking to him on the phone because I would have spit it up everywhere. Because James Harden approximates that, and he did last last regular season. For Philly in the regular season last year, James Harden played really well and was a distributor. Tons of assists, could score at times, was willing to be at least on paper in the box scores, really in the practice of how the offense flowed, a secondary option to Joel Embiid. So I understand the allure, but here are two things James Harden keeps screaming from the mountaintops, singing from the rafters, saying from his modern-day megaphone. One, I will destroy your organization and its chemistry, and its togetherness, because I'm about me. I will force my way out. The moment I don't want to be there, I will put on weight, which is saying something, and I guess I shouldn't make that joke as somebody who could stand to lose a few pounds. I will party. I will go to other towns I'm supposed to not supposed to be in. I will not show up for practices. I will go publicly in China or anywhere else and call the boss a liar, literally. I will destroy your culture. That's number one. But here's number two, and it drives me crazy that people that are smart enough and ambitious enough, and maybe lucky enough, to get to positions where they run one of the 30 teams in the NBA that they don't recognize that even when James Harden is in shape, and even when James Harden, for the moment, is happy with his situation, and even when James Harden's wandering eye hasn't caught another team he wants to run off to, when you get to the playoffs, the guy turns into a freaking pumpkin. Whatever he's done in the regular seasons, whatever former MVPs he's won, whatever assist numbers he put up, including last year, whatever moments of athletic and talent grace shine on the floor because he's there, the guy's a bum in the playoffs. He can't win. He doesn't win. Desperation begets desperation. And too many times the desperation to try and win in the NBA has brought James Harden to people's teams and made things worse. It's a history lesson, but it's so real, it's so present, and obviously Lawrence Frank hasn't remembered, because while he currently won't give up Terrence Mann, which isn't enough, by the way, if I'm Daryl, Terrence Mann in a first-round pick and a first-round pick swap for James Harden, the fact that, that there's a conversation that's gotten us to that possible trade means Lawrence Frank hasn't paid attention. Let me, let me remind you, Lawrence, please. James Harden went to a Brooklyn Nets team, and I'm not saying Kyrie wasn't part of the toxic reality, a Brooklyn Nets team that had three supposed on paper and probably realistic on paper superstars. They had Kevin Durant. They had Kyrie Irving. They had James Harden. Harden's the first guy that wanted to leave. Harden's the first guy that forced his way out of that trio, having forced his way there. Harden's the guy that could have signed, remember? Could have signed with the Sixers. Could have forced his way to the Sixers. Could have decided the Sixers were where I want to go. Wanted to be Brooklyn. Houston had to make it Brooklyn. And Harden forces his way out of the Nets, and the whole thing implodes eventually. So he goes to Philly. And at the end of last year, he has a option, his option, player option, his decision, his decision whether he wanted to be in Philly or not. And he picked up the option because he wanted his $35 million. This guy wanted to get paid $35 million and then be able to go somewhere else. That's not how the contract business works. You have a player option where you can look out at the market and decide, as Harden surely did, wow, no one's going to pay me this kind of money. I guess I should just pick up the option and take the money. Yeah, but then part of the arrangement, literally the deal, the contractual agreement is you then play for that team. But he's blowing this thing up too. Steve Nash is no longer the coach in Brooklyn. Daryl Morey may not be the coach, or excuse me, the, the GM in Philly next summer. I'm not a guy that really 
these would be crocodile tears. I don't I don't feel for Doc Rivers, but Doc Rivers no longer the coach in Philadelphia. James Harden is about James Harden. And even if you want to withstand the likelihood he's going to make your life miserable, he's going to make your co-stars unhappy, he's going to be the first giant domino that knocks over everything you've tried to build, even if you want to withstand all that, which you can't and you won't, but if you fall for the illusion, the con artist sales pitch of his talent, he has never, ever, ever executed it, ever, in the postseason at a level that resembles what he can do and should do in the regular season. He's not worth it. So this is the catch-22. Look, if I'm Daryl Morey, I'd rather go down. This is several GMs have said the same thing. I'd rather go down with James Harden on the ship than off of it because you've already gambled, if you're Daryl, all of your political capital with your team and your ownership and that city on James Harden. And part of the strategy, having talked to people in that Philly organization, part of the strategy, part of the reason Daryl Morey and the front office are willing to somewhat play hardball, somewhat play hardball in terms of what they'll accept for James Harden is because they believe that when we get to Tuesday, when the NBA season actually starts in earnest, not these preseason games nobody watches, unless you're watching Wim and Yama, who's amazing. Once we get the games to count, they think, the Sixers front office believes, that the blame and the onus will shift to James Harden. That if he doesn't show up, that if he doesn't play, that if he's partying in Houston, that if he is in Philadelphia, but he's sullen, he's on the bench, and he won't hustle, and he just looks like he doesn't want to be there. If they put him on the floor, and they're still playing four-on-five, that Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and the rest of that team will start to blame James Harden. It will be his responsibility. And that that peer pressure, that colleague pressure, that, in Embiid's case, superstar pressure, might motivate Harden to play well enough that they get something out of him more than they would for a lowly return. And even if they don't, Daryl Morey won't be blamed. Embiid won't force his way out. That's the hope. It'll be on Harden. That's number one. Number two is if you give away James Harden for some first-round picks and pick swaps, maybe you get a good enough return. Maybe it makes sense, but not for Daryl Morey because he won't be making the decisions on how to fill and use those first-round picks and pick swaps because you're not sticking around if things go badly. You cannot trade James Harden for anything less than a return that you can plug in with the current team you have, Embiid, reigning MVP being the main part of that, and have a real chance to push through a very brutal East. And that doesn't mean you get the return and it goes pretty well and you lose in the second round of the playoffs. You've got to make the conference finals at a minimum for the survival of everybody involved to, to ensure those people have jobs. And that's what everybody's goal is. And if you're the Clippers or anybody else, Harden's told you who he is. He is shouting it right now, apparently from Houston, according to our friend Ramona Shelburne from ESPN, been on the show. He is not worth it. The juice is not worth the squeeze. The guy's not that good in the playoffs. And he, So here's the deal. If I'm anybody else, I'm not taking him. And if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm only taking a price that no one should pay, which means you better start to figure out how to make Harden really uncomfortable. And message to Embiid, we're not trading the guy. 855-212-4CBS. I had a really creepy moment yesterday. Uh, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Tommy. Pretty daddy. Good morning, Bill. Happy Friday, Junior, to you. Thank you for that. I'm watching a lot of Black Mirror, and I probably shouldn't be because it's kind of freaking me out. Technology, technological, dystopian, standalone TV shows, but some of them are more than hours. Almost many movie juniors in the parlance of your <laughs> approach. And uh, tell me if this would creep you out. So I, I was at, I was having actually coffee with an NBA agent this week, right? I was in, I was in a different part of L.A., far from where I live in Manhattan Beach. 
And I didn't really know how to get home from there, right? I'd never really been to that part of L.A. So I get back. I come out of the, the coffee shop. It's kind of awkward meeting. No, I hope he's not listening. It was a great meeting. It was, it was the best <laughs> meeting ever. I get in the car, and I click on my house's address and my phone so I can, I can get directions, right? And you know how Google has, has what is it called, Street View, where you can actually just see your front yard? Yeah, of course. I'm like, oh, cool. I'll just I'll see what, you know, click on it. And there's a guy standing in the photo right next to the front door. Wearing a very familiar hoodie, needing to lose a little bit of weight in ugly tennis shoes, I certainly recognize with his face sort of blurred out. It was me, and it really freaked me out, man. That's pretty creepy. Pretty creepy. Could you tell how long ago that photo was from? I'm going to say, yeah, the hoodie has been retired that I'm wearing. I'm going to say a year and a half. That's really creepy. It is creepy, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see myself when I go to Street View on, on the old Google. It'd be a fun game. We should give out your home address on the radio. Ooh, who is and this fun like, for? For everybody else. It's like, where's Waldo? And then everybody goes and does different angles to your house. If you, like, you can see, like, try to look in the... Because if you go on Google Street View, sometimes there are people looking out the window and their face is blurred. Yeah, that's, like, that's beyond creepy. Tom lives at 1234... <laughs> Pretty Daddy Lane. <laughs> Pretty Daddy Lane. <laughs> you can't you can't trade for James Harden. You can't trade for Harden, even if you're so desperate. And the Clippers are desperate. It's just, it's the classic Vegas move of I lost $1,000, and then I lost another $500, and I guess I'll, I'll bet my last $500 hoping to get back the 1500 I lost. No, you're just going to lose that, too. Kawhi hasn't worked. Paul George hasn't worked. They haven't worked. Am I, can I just say it, James? James Harden's been a bum lately. He's been a bum. Jumping from team to team, not being successful, not playing well in the playoffs. Don't do it. You're talking about a team who brought in Russell Westbrook, though. They were willing to do that. Can you imagine Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden? I mean, the dysfunction, uh, it's, it will not work. People tell you who they are, listen. Or to quote Dr. Laura, people... Don't change. Don't do it. Don't do it. Wouldn't wouldn't Steve Ballmer have to sign off on a move like this to bring in all this dysfunction like you're talking about? I so he's very involved. Yes, yes. I, I think in his as I understand, I actually just had this talk with a with a person who is very familiar with their front office. He's very involved, but the flip side of that is he doesn't blame those guys when things go wrong. As I understand it, Lawrence Frank is in no danger of being fired or losing his job, even if things go badly here, because Lawrence Frank executed what Ballmer wanted. He went and he got Kawhi Leonard. He went and he got Paul George, which is part of the reason I think he can just say very, very you know, resolutely to Daryl Morey, now, nah, man, I'm not doing it. If, if Lawrence Frank were under the same pressure as Daryl was under, in their desperation, they would probably make a deal and both screw it up because Daryl wouldn't get enough in return and Lawrence would get James Harden, who's a ticking time bomb, Trojan horse. That's Greek. Mythology. I don't even know if it's Greek. I think it might be. Don't <laughs> you Lawrence. Sold me. Did I? Yeah, Just say you it said it was Greek. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, yeah, that's that's Turkish mythology, pre-Greek. Eight five five two one two four CBS is the phone number. I love coaches coming to the defense of their guys when it's genuine, when it's real. I don't mean the I'm a man, I'm forty, come after me garbage from ten years ago. But Mike McDaniel 
who was an unproven assistant coming from the Niners, who looked like a 12-year-old elementary school student, he did, has proved to be one of the best coaches in the National Football League for so many reasons, but maybe one that's gone under the radar is his ability to just inject his teams with belief and his players with belief by having their backs every step of the way. You do not want to miss McDaniel, the Dolphins head coach, getting a little feisty with a reporter who asked a Tua question. We'll let you hear that next here on CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. He's Bill Ryder, and he's always right. You know what you did? And Lori does this to our kids, and it drives me crazy. You talk to me, and you're talking to Willie's two-year-old voice. It's okay. We can do it tomorrow if you want, guy. We can do it tomorrow. We can do it in a minute. I totally did. You all off me. <laughs> it's Ryder Than You on CBS Sports Radio. That is a great rejoin because that happened yesterday, and I didn't have the heart to say it to my wife. She came out and was talking to to Henry and just just started doing the little little kids voice and, and Tom when you do it to me it just it makes me realize either that you think very little of me or more likely that we that we have a real friendship connection you just do you like but it was really weird the other day when you go do you like frozen do you like Frozen? I'm like, what are you talking about man um I think I made a mistake yesterday on CBS Sports HQ I'm actually a little worried about it Ooh, do tell so I'm buddies to a degree with Rip Hamilton yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he plays tennis. I obviously play tennis. I talk about it way too much here on the air. And we were on HQ doing a live hit, the writer's block, because no one's ever thought of that before. <laughs> I do a writer's block column over at CBSSports.com and a writer's block TV hit on the column at 3 o'clock Eastern. All right, Rip's on there with me. It's me and Rip talking about it. And we, we went over my MVP ballot and some news I had. It was fun. And then at the end, the host goes, I hear you guys are going to, Bill, I hear you're going to play tennis with Rip. This is on live TV. And Rip goes, well, if Bill plays me, and I go, I'm not going to play you, Rip. I'm going to destroy you. Oh, and no. Rip kind of did a double take. It just came out. The Mistake. dude played in the NBA. Yeah, I know. Made millions upon millions yeah. of dollars to be a professional athlete. And, oh, by the way, was one of the best conditioned athletes to right. do it. All he did was run around. Still in great shape, by the way. Yeah. Still in great doing? shape. I don't know. Because I, I just thought it. I'm going to take him down. Confidence. Listen, I respect the confidence. I respect you being competitive. Don't say it out loud. Yeah, it where came out. Everyone, not only did you say it to Rip. You said it to everyone on national yeah. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big mistake. Big you think mistake. So. Well, the reverse of that is like now it's a now he's like can this little dude actually be? I'm he's not gonna worry. Yeah, yeah I got it. He won an NBA championship. Yeah. You're not gonna play mind games with Rip Hamilton. <laughs> I'm trying. Big mistake. <laughs> Was it? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence he followed up with, hey, hit me up when you want me. I have a place I play nearby. He's like, I'll come to you. Let me know when you want to play. Yeah, the dude is ultra competitive. You just talk smack to him. Now he really wants to play you and beat you. 
a little worried because I, I hit a lot of lob. I'm good. I can bring people in and hit a lot of lobs. But he's so tall. I think he might be unlobable. He's so tall. He's so fast. He's so well conditioned. I gotta lose. I gotta lose a little bit of weight for that. I gotta train. I gotta <laughs> Rocky Balboa. It, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you did this to yourself, man. All right. He was definitely startled. He did the startled look because I'm always a very polite, professional young man when I'm doing the TV. But then we went to a different place. You went to a different place. I I went to a very, you know, I was inspired by Mike McDaniel. Okay, sometimes you just sometimes the competitive juices get flowing. I I could so at the start of the show, at the start of every hour of the program, both of them, um, we have a little montage of things that I've said before. Right? We have a little montage of things I've, you know, I'll I'll destroy the idiots and and if you think you're a hall of famer, but one of them is. We admit when we're wrong, and the other one, I think we're nice here. They're all true, depending on when you catch the show. I could not have been more wrong about Mike McDaniel. I, 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 could, I lambasted that decision. I mean, in fairness to me, he looks exactly like my former producer, Tom DiBenedetto, and Tom DiBenedetto looks exactly like a high school freshman at times. Not that, I'm, <laughs> not that I look like a, like a superstar. Mike McDaniel looks like he's 12, doesn't he? Again, you went there, man. <laughs> Nobody made you say that. You went there. Mike, he look. It just threw me. Don't judge a book by its cover. But when the cover is just disgusting, right? Like then it's hard not to judge the book. Is all I'm saying. Not that Mike McDonald's disgusting. I'm just saying in the analogy, he looks like a, he looks like a child. Doesn't he look like a man child? Anyway, he's a great coach. Got that one wrong. And also coming off maybe more to the point. Just see how far I can put this foot down my mouth. Let's go. Mm, Nikes taste great. Coming off that Kyle Shanahan coaching tree, like Andy Reid for me, it's really hard to know where that head coach, Shanahan in this case, or or Reid's genius stops, and this other guy that we don't know, we're not that aware of where it begins. Didn't work for, for Nagy in Chicago. Obviously, Doug Peterson has had a lot of success. He's having success with the Jags. They're on tonight. We'll talk about that later. It was hard to just believe in Mike McDaniel for me. Maybe the best offense we've ever seen out of the gate. Up there with the best show on turf. We have named it the best show on surf, which, Tommy, you really like. And part of the miraculous reality of of the Dolphins is that... Because what happened with the Rams back in whatever it was, 99-2000, is, is Kurt Warner, nobody saw coming, but hadn't really been tested. He was this future Hall of Famer, literally. But we didn't know that. He was undiscovered. It was cool. Tua was a failure under Brian Flores. And to fail at the quarterback position in the modern game for even four or five or six games, let alone you're drafted fairly high like Tua was and you fail for basically a season or two, depending on the guy, very rarely do, do guys come back from that, let alone come back and be in the position that Tua's in, which is to be the MVP. He is the MVP of the league right now. The guy has been an absolute machine. He's been absolutely unstoppable. And I think a lot of us think that that McDaniel's the reason for that. Tua's got 14 touchdown passes, tied for the lead of the NFL, completing better than 70, I think it's 71 point something percent of his passes. He's got almost 2,000 passing yards that leads the NFL. Dolphins' most important number are 5-1 are and one, and are arguably the best team in the NFL. And so I think a lot of us think, all right, Mike McDaniel did this, and he did do it. And there was a really interesting exchange, though, that I think, A, is accurate in terms of how football excellence can work, but B, more to, the, more to the point, I think it gives some insight into how McDaniel, behind the scenes, tries to take all the credit and direct it to his guys and build up rather than tear down a player like Tua. There are some folks who believe that many quarterbacks in this scheme 
with you as the coach, with Tyreek and Jalen, maybe even many, many quarterbacks, would excel, would flourish, would be near the top of the passer Raider leading MVP candidate. What, if any, pushback is there relative to, wait, no, no, hold on. Yeah, Tua push, is a little bit the pushes podium over. Um, <laughs> my my answer to that would would be who the f cares because it's it, there's it is a team we're we're working together and I know one thing um, I've coached stuff a long time I haven't seen um, people do what our guys do. I love this guy. Who the f cares? I'm gonna come. I'm gonna push this this podium over. Because there is obviously a direct correlation between the arrival of this head coach and his staff and Tua transforming himself into not a, you know, not a okay quarterback or, okay, now he's an NFL quarterback, a superstar, and more importantly, to McDaniel's point, the leader of the best maybe football team in the National Football League and certainly one of them. They're, they're certainly in competition. But it's not just him. And this is true of any team sport. It's really true in any of our careers. You will be judged. I will be judged. Trevor Lawrence or Brock Purdy or Bryce Young or Justin Fields will be judged on their individual excellence. But they will succeed or fail, and so will you and I, largely on the situations that we're in, especially earlier in their, our careers. Who you're surrounded by, who manages you, the culture you're in. It is not easy to quantify those things, so it's not easy to assign blame, but it matters and it's significant. Let's take Trevor Lawrence just very quickly. That guy, his rookie year, 12 touchdowns, seven pi- 17 picks. That guy, he completed fewer than 60% of his passes. He was bad. He was a flop. Trevor Lawrence, under Urban Meyer, was maybe the biggest quarterback flop, maybe of the century at that point, because he was supposed to be the next Andrew Luck, the next Peyton Manning, the next sure thing. Not, not you know, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes emerging as all-time greats, but a guy who was destined to be an all-time great from the moment he was taken, number one overall pick, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't handle it. And Doug Peterson comes in. And Doug Peterson, coming off that Andy Reid tree, won that Super Bowl in Philadelphia, and then the wheels kind of came off. Carson Wentz obviously eventually cost him his job. Doug Peterson comes in and has made Trevor Lawrence extraordinary to the level he was supposed to be and still growing. 25 touchdowns to 8 picks with Doug Peterson. 66% completion percentage. He's won a playoff game. They're, what, 4-2, and two, and they go into this game tonight in New Orleans with a chance to be 5-2 and two and really be where we on the show thought they would be, which is to say outstanding. And i got to mention Brock Purdy. Uh, Mike McDaniel comes off that Shanahan coaching tree. Kyle Shanahan is the tree. And Brock Purdy this year, despite the last game, Ten touchdowns, one pick. The Niners are five and one. The only game the Niners have lost with Brock Purdy, where he has finished the game. I'm not going to include the postseason last year, where they got washed out of the NFC Championship game because everybody got hurt, and that Christian McCaffrey basically was going to be the quarterback. Purdy's been outstanding, and this is what we do, and that's what I would do. I would ask the question. I don't think it's a bad question. You look at a guy in Brock Purdy who's a nobody before, right? And I'm not saying he was, but that's the view. You look at a guy in Tua Tungavailoa under Brian Flores who, who's a failure, and you ask, what's changed? What's happened? And, and interestingly, Shanahan got the exact same question a few weeks ago, more or less, about his quarterback. Uh, you've had a lot of success with a lot of different quarterbacks in your system. What would you say to those who say that Brock is still largely a product of your system? Um, I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. They just got to watch the tape. I mean, he plays at a high level every time he's been out there. Um, and he's done it in a lot of different situations um, versus a lot of different defenses um, on the road, at home. 
in playoff games when injured. Uh, he, he does you can't do all that stuff. He's he's been out there too long. He's it's on tape. Look, I'm going to help Shanahan out. He doesn't need my help. But to quote his former understudy, who gives an F? Purdy's getting it done. It doesn't, and, and system quarterback's the wrong term. I think it's culture quarterback. No, I'm not going to say that Brock Purdy or Tua Tungabailoa succeeded because of the systems of these coaches and these teams. They succeeded, though, because of the culture. And I know that we don't want to hear this because we want it to be numbers and math and no excuses and be a man. How you manage these human beings under pressure with talent in a game where the margins are really thin matters. And obviously Shanahan and McDaniel have the ability, when they have the right guy, to manage the people, not just the quarterbacks, not just the talents, to be successful and believe in themselves and get it done. All right. Who gives an F? And Trevor Lawrence, too. Justin, it can go the other way. If, if Urban mired in dysfunction who won as many games in his tenure as the Jags coach, as the Jags did in London, by the way, this month, had stayed for two seasons. I think Trevor Lawrence goes to a place of not being recoverable, of not being able to be Trevor Lawrence. And Justin Fields, who last year, fantasy football owners know this, even if the record didn't showcase it, Justin Fields was awesome last year, to a degree. Unique, ran a ton, right, first sort of Michael Vick, Need to work on his pocket presence in his pocket. All that stuff. Sure. But was successful. Moved the football. Put up gaudy stats. He has the talent. But he's got Matt Eberlews right now. And he could lose his handle on being an NFL QB. Not because the system's wrong. Because the situation is wrong. 855-212-4CBS. So you think I shouldn't have told Rip I wasn't going to play him. I was going to destroy him. That's your, that's your take. Who the F cares? <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Uh, yeah, you made a giant mistake. I think I'm going to win, actually. I actually don't think I'm going to. I know the false humility. I think I'm going to beat him. I don't think you're going to win. You don't? No, no. Confidence is pretty high. You're going to lose. All right. Maybe there's a bet we can make. Me and you or you and Rip? You and me. Okay, I'm in. All right, let me get it set up. I don't want to hug anyone. The, the, the bet is not about hugging anyone. Take it off I my shirt. I do want you to no context hug. I, you, you, um, our boss, Spike Eskin, who, who works obviously in the office you're in, said hi to you yesterday or the day before, and I told you it would have been a great chance to no context hug him. Uh, opted not to do that. For people that don't know, we've asked Tom to no context hug the most sort of like powerful or intimidating or interesting personalities in the building. So our boss, Spike. Our other boss, David, Boomer Esiason. Who else did I want you to know context of? Did we throw our big, big boss in there, Chris Olivero? I don't think I threw Chris in there. Chris is such a sweet guy. I think he would just hug you back and then go check with everything was okay. Like, what's going on with Does Tom need some time off? Yeah, I think he would be nice to my face, but then be very, very concerned about me. I think, yeah. I, all right. So you will do the bet. You can no context hug, and we'll think of an equivalent for me if I lose. But in fairness, the losing alone is a humiliation. I don't like to lose. So that's like maybe not that is... enough, though, because if you lose to a former professional athlete, that's not enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. I'm going to beat Rip in tennis. I don't know if I'm going to win my gambling league. In fact, I met the guy who runs it the other day. But we've been doing pretty good on these picks. We do five every week, and we're going to get into NFL bets here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update. 
from Andrew Bogus. Who the F cares? He's Bill Ryder, and he's always right. Can you just tell the people, I did not ask you to pull up something that would embarrass you. I did not ask you to rom-com Tom. You did this on your own. Are you sure in a few minutes you want to share this? Because it's not... I'm not sure it's the best look. It's writer than you on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back into the show. You have a lot of nicknames, Tom. A lot of nicknames. But I pretty got daddy. one nickname. Just pretty, one now. The, the people decided on National Nickname Day one year ago. Stream the NFL and Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the free Odyssey app. Get on the zone. AutoZone, the Fairlow Zone Fix Finder service, can help you find a fix for free. Get in the zone. AutoZone restrictions apply. I've been doing pretty well in my in my picks. So I'm going to give you my five picks that I have not actually placed. I'm going to give you a chance as my consigliore, okay? We're going to go to the gambling <laughs> mattresses to caution, you know, caution me to, to reverse course or encourage me full steam ahead. Then I'm going to put hard-earned money down on these bets. Let's do it. It's time for Bet Rider. Bill makes the tough picks so you can fade accordingly. It's time for Bet Rider with Bill. Are you ready for the magic, Tom? 5-0. and oh. I can feel it. 5-0 and oh this week. I'm not going to bet on this game tonight. The Jags are two-point underdogs on the road against the Saints. Very, very hard to win on the road on Thursday Night Football. It's not a lock, but historically, the home team has a pretty big advantage. There's obviously questions about Trevor Lawrence. I'm not betting on the game, but very quickly, do you feel strongly? I don't. It's a pass for me. I do not feel strongly, even if Trevor Lawrence plays. I do think Jacksonville is the better team, but as you said, this game is in New Orleans, so it's a hard pass for me. The uh, Detroit Lions are three-point underdogs on the road at Baltimore. You know that I don't think the Ravens are as good as their record suggests, and I'm not real high on Lamar Jackson's ability to be a top-five quarterback any longer. I'm in on the Lions. I'm all about biting off some kneecaps. Give me that Dan Campbell energy. Golf has played well. I don't feel amazing about it, but I like Detroit as a road dog. I think they're legit. Remember, they did. They went and they beat the Chiefs on the road earlier this year. We know they can win games on the road. Defense travels, and golf has been pretty impressive. As your right-hand man, I would advise you to pass on this game. I wouldn't tell you that Baltimore's definitely going to win or they're definitely going to cover. This offense has been very inconsistent. I've been disappointed ever since Todd Munkin has got there this season. It looks like the same old Lamar Jackson in terms of what this offense looks like and feels like, even with OBJ and the the, the studs, they flowers. Like they, it just it feels the same. But I think at some point, Baltimore's going to get it going, so I would pass tonight. I'm disappointed in your lukewarm response to biting kneecaps off. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. They are. But I think the other teams that they're grouped in with are still better. All they got to do is is lose by a field goal. I get it. I get it. Baltimore's not the easiest place to play, though. It's true. All right, let me let me take that under consideration, good sir. I normally I used to have a rule. I used to never, ever, ever, ever bet on Patriots games in either direction when Tom Brady was there. But that rule has gone away. And I know that eight and a half's a lot of points for Buffalo. And I know the game is in New England. And I know that Bill Belichick has a history of success. 
But I think the wheels are coming off. I think the plane is falling apart in the air. I think New England is a bad football team that's also dysfunctional. I think the weight of history of how do you fire a Bill Belichick hangs over that locker room. And I know that a team like Buffalo will happily run the score up on Belichick. I like Buffalo on the road at minus 8.5. I think they're going to blow their doors off. Could not agree with you anymore. The New England Patriots are a dumpster fire right now. I know that's your favorite gift, floating floating down the river. There's no coming back from this with Mac Jones and Bill Belichick together. There is no saving this season. I'm with you all the way on Buffalo. And we got an agreement. We got a pretty daddy endorsement. It feels good. Here's one that's a little tricky. So Rams are hosting the Steelers. Rams are 3-3. Three and three. Steelers are 3-2. and two. They're both in that 500, will they make the playoffs, sort of mediocre plus reality. Mike Tomlin wins football games. And I know last weekend didn't go well. Mike Tomlin finds ways to make adjustments. It's three and a half. The Rams are three and a half point favorites at home. I think the Steelers can win the game. And that's largely betting on Mike Tomlin. I think the Rams have been disappointing and underwhelming. I think there's a a bit of an edge here at plus three and a half. I'm taking the Steelers. Wow. Not only am I... I'm going to... The complete opposite on this. What, the Rams? And this stems from we had different outlooks on the Rams starting this season. I owe Sean McVay an apology. I thought they were going to be bad, bad. Like, 2-3 win bad. Like, one of the worst teams in the NFL bad. And they've been competitive. So, my apologies to Sean McVay. I think the Rams can win this game. I really do. They got to win by more than a field goal. Yeah. I, 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 I I would go L.A. with this one. They have played the Niners tough. They have played the Bengals tough, if I got that right. The Steelers have a great defense, but their offense leaves a lot, a lot to be desired. I mean, I'll flip it to Rams, but then you have to then you're holding the bag if it comes badly. Oh no, thanks. I don't want it. I don't want I don't want that when it goes when it goes south. Uh I, I try not to bet on the Chiefs because they never cover. They never cover. But they're hosting a Chargers team that also feel like they're in a bit of free fall. I know. I'm just going against every – you have no idea how badly I want to bet on the Bears. I saw the Bears line. I thought, Bears are three-and-a-half-point dogs at home against a bad Raiders team, and I just passed. Five-and-a-half for the Chiefs against the Chargers. And I, maybe it's just watching how poorly run that offense was and how, how Justin Herbert just looked totally over his head. The Chiefs defense actually has been pretty good this year. It's Mahomes who hasn't – I mean, he's played fine, but the offense for Kansas City hasn't clicked – it's going to. They're going to figure it out. I know they play close. Man, I'm going to go on five. Give me the Chiefs minus five and a half against the Chargers pass. at home at Arrowhead. Pass, pass, pass on this game. The Chargers always find themselves in close games. Granted, Brandon Staley never makes the right call in putting his team over the top. He has no idea when to go for it, when not to go for it on fourth down. And the Chiefs always play with their food. It's, it's the narrative we've been we've been screaming all season long. Both of these teams play close games. Hard pass. You can't pass in every one. I want to make some bets. I've got two passes so far. Well, I've given you three games. Or four games. Four games. Two out of four. Two out of four. Um, I think I'm going to bet on the Packers. Minus one and a half at Denver. I, I'm and with one. you on this one. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the Packers, who are two and three are a better football team maybe than their record suggests. I still think Jordan Love can figure it out, maybe get back to where he was earlier in the year when he was playing pretty good football. But a lot of this is just how bad this Denver team is. The defense isn't very good. Sean Payton seems completely shell-shocked by the reality of the team that he's coaching and the job that he's doing. 
Russell Wilson, I know, has played better, but he's still a goofball. I don't believe that his team rallies around him at all. But the, the short version, I just think the Packers are a better football team than Denver. I don't think being at home matters anymore for, for the Broncos. I think the tank is on for Denver. I think once we get closer to this trade deadline, they're going to sell a bunch of pieces, whatever they can. I am not necessarily sure Sean Payton wants to win games right now. Uh, I'm with you all the way on Green Bay. Here are the passes for me. I don't want to bet on Cleveland minus two and a half at Indy, especially given the uncertainty of Deshaun Watson. I don't want to bet on Niners on Monday Night Football minus six and a half at Minnesota. It feels like a straight Niners pick, but there's so many injuries for the Niners versus the fact Kirk Cousins never wins on those primetime games. And the best game of the weekend, but a game I don't want to bet on, is Philly hosting the Dolphins. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorites. If I bet it, I'd probably bet the Dolphins, but I don't know which side to be on. Who the you F want me to cares? Any of these? What was uh, that, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Who the F cares? <laughs> Listen, I, I, it's, it's such a good game, Miami at Philadelphia. I think Miami is the better team, but when you factor in the game is in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is coming off their only loss. I think Philly's going to be really dialed in for this Would game. Would you bet on them? It's no. one thing to say mumbo-jumbo no, maybes. I still think Miami is the better football team, but no, I'm not willing to bet on that. So it's another pass. You pass in every game. I've passed on three games. I've bet on two. Yeah. Niners at Minnesota. Basically a touchdown. Minus six and a half. It feels pa- like the Niners got good injury news in terms of Debo, in terms of Christian McCaffrey, in terms of Trent Williams. It feels like they all have a good chance of playing. I would take San Francisco in that game. You, but you can bet the Steelers getting three and a half at the Rams. The Rams have the Rams have been better this season, way better this season than I've expected. I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, and that's I'm a credit to McVay. I'm putting my bets in. I'm rolling with my bets, Tom. So I didn't change your mind on anything. You reinforced my belief in myself. All right, All Ju- right. you're basically Rip Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, look, you also sometimes got to ride when when you're going when it's going well. And for for me this year, my record has been fi- fine. I'm I'm at like 58% in terms of how I'm doing this season. So I'm going to keep rolling with it. You're I need to get you into money. some gambling. You're making money. I'm making the money. Nothing wrong with that. Could turn this weekend. Oh, we we're not going to have our guy Nick Casos tomorrow. This is the gambling Sadly, segment. Sadly, we do not. We do not have Mr. Costos tomorrow. He's so got he, a little, little doctor's appointment. He can't make fun of me. He'll have to text me to make fun of me this week. Do you think he likes you? I'm going to say yes. I think he does, too. Sometimes I think it's up in the air, though. How are those Chargers tickets going that Ephraim Salam, former NFL offensive lineman, asked you to get? Efforting. Radio have you sent an email? Efforting. Have you sent an email? I told you we're efforting. <sighs> Barrett Salib. He actually does his job. He is coming up here on the show to talk some college football next on CBS Sports Radio. Who the F cares? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 